welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So, Jeffrey, I think you have a story for us related to our old friend Gene Kim. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I, we just had the Christmas holidays, uh, came back to work, and uh, one of the people who worked to me, he, he didn't listen to our podcast, but instead he read the book. He read the Wiring the Winning Organization. So we just talked with Gene Kim um, just before the Christmas break uh, about the book. And in, in one of the um, things we covered in there is we covered their sort of three methods in the book they talk about for rewiring the organization. And the person who um, works for me, he, he said uh, th th he really liked the book. And he says, it really sounds great. But the question I have is one of the, the methods is slowification. It's like, how do we ever get management? How do we get the business, the executives to buy off on the idea of slowification? <laughs> because as you might imagine, our executives are very much about time to market, getting things out fast, getting things done. And, and that phrase, slowification, you can see why people's immediate reaction from the business might be like, go slow on my watch never <laughs> and i just thought that was a a great formulation i gotta say i'm not i'm not sure that was gene's absolutely um, most brilliant moment was coming up with that particular <laughs> name but it, it got our attention and it obviously got your your uh, team members attention but we better tell listeners what it means so that they don't all switch off and say squirrel and jeffrey have gone mad they, they want us to go slower because <laughs> i don't think we do it, not at all, not at all. And, we, and if you want to hear the explanation, it's in it's in that second uh, of the three part series with Gene. And it and it will remind people that it's it's a the idea is about doing your sort of problem solving and experimentation, taking that out of production and doing it as a deliberate experiment, you know, rather than trying to do it while also delivering at the same time. And and one of the my favorite example uh, uh, in the book is the MIT. Uh, sailing team where they go to regatta. Um, most of them had never been on MIT, a boat. not known as a as a major sports <laughs> university here. That's right, exactly. And um, and and they're in their first race, and they encounter some problems. And what they did, rather than trying to muddle through, is they stopped, and they say, "Okay, we're going to stop sailing badly or disastrously, <laughs> and we're going to and we're going to figure out our immediate next steps that, that we think will be an improvement over what we're doing now." And that idea of like, we're going to stop and improve right now and then get back to sailing is a good example of, uh, of the idea behind slowification, which is you're changing kind of the nature of work that you're changing the hat you have on from, you know, I'm going to try to get something done. I'm going to try to paint the walls and learn and problem solve at the same time versus let's go ahead and have some deliberate fo focus experimentation and problem solving and then apply it quickly. And uh, that's what he meant by slowification. And, and so that's, that's the, the question, is, though, is how do you make that case to uh, a, a, you know, business stakeholders who you know, really <laughs> just are, are care mostly about speed? And, that, and that's, the, that's the challenge. I thought it was a very worthy one and very appropriate for the podcast. Oh, certainly. And uh, I, I'll say one thing that strikes me about it, but it's not the thing to start with. I just want to make sure I've understood it right. If I understand it, with a non-technical hat on, I'm thinking of things like in-service days for customer service representatives who will go and have some training on a new product or something. They, d they don't do that by answering phone calls they, <laughs> um, from actual customers trying to use the product. And they go, oh, yeah, let me flip to page 94. They, they, they go away and they read whatever the new thing is practice with each other. And then they go back on the phones and they actually support the new product. So I, I think that way of thinking about it is helpful. But it's not the place to start. 
Okay. And, and the reason it's not the place to start is that if you're worried that an executive who is in charge isn't going to trust you enough, isn't going to understand it well enough for you to go and do whatever your solification task is, learn Docker or uh, get better at unit testing or whatever it is that you want to do, then you have a bigger problem. And going and explaining it to them more is unlikely to help. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 so um, I, I'd say there are a couple things that I would counsel your, your team member to do. The first one is make sure you're talking to the right executive. Because when I have clients come to me with this kind of question, and they say, how can I take this initiative? I say, are you talking to someone who is responsible for the profit and loss of your salary? Because that's what you're trying to improve. We want to take the utilization of my salary and my teams and whoever else it is and, and make that greater. We're going to get more profit from that activity. There are people in the business who, who don't care about that who, who, and who probably shouldn't care about that. Uh, they might be your peers in another organization, or they might be other parts of the same technology organization, or somebody who's just a little further down the food chain. And that person says, hey, look, I just got to make my sales quota. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, what you used to be doing, you know, where you got out a paddle and you paddled the boat, that, that, and instead of trying to do the sail thing, you know, and that, that was fine. Just keep doing that. And you're not going to get very far with that person. <laughs> However, <laughs> the person who says, I'm spending all this amazing amount, this tremendous amount of money on technology, and it sure doesn't seem to be going as fast as it could, and you come along and say, I could make it faster, then you're talking in their language. You're talking about something that matters to them. So, so that would be my first one. I got more, but Jeffrey, how does that sound to you? I think, I think you're exactly right. And what you described is very much the approach that I use and that I also canceled other people uh, with talking about this, which is, um, you know, I, you notice what you said was, hey, I can help make this go faster you know, you're, you're, you're selling the result, not the activity. And I think one of the things that you've um, many times uh, talked about in the past, and certainly in your newsletters and, and in your workshops, you, you'll talk about how the technologists have the obligation to connect what they're doing to the business and not just use a lot of technical jargons and say what, uh, you know, what they'd like to be doing. They need to explain what the business impacts are. What I, what I, what I tell people is I never use the phrase technical debt with the business. You know, I don't say we need to pay off technical debt because that doesn't mean or refactoring. To them. Please don't say refactoring. Yeah. <laughs> Could everyone please stop saying that <laughs> to the executives? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Talk about it amongst <laughs> yourselves. Yeah, exactly. For pity's sake, that doesn't. It sounds like slow. It sounds like the 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 bare meaning of slowification. It sounds like oh my god, I'm not going to see them for six months. Yeah. So so that's and 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 I think that's the concern and even the experience that some executives have had in the past. Um, and so they're, they're kind of built up a, a negative re response to people who use these phrases in part because they haven't delivered. And, and so it, what we're selling here, even though it's slowification, but the outcome is, you know, we're, we're doing this to go faster. I, I might say to people, and certainly have said to executives, I've quoted um, uh, Colonel Boyd with the, the line that, you know, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. You know, we're going to, we're, we're doing this because our ultimate goal here is to go faster. And so that's, that's completely agree with you, but that's where you start as the, the first point that you're making. And your point was you make that to the person who cares most about it, which is the person who has the PL attached to your salary. I love that. I, that's, that's a connection I hadn't thought of before. And then after that, after you've identified the right person, 
the next thing you have to check is not whether they understand the analogies about ships and, and, and sailing and so on, or, or whether they do this in their own customer service department. That's coming later, because the first thing you got to check is exactly what you said, Jeffrey. Have they been burnt? Do they trust you? Do they even know who you are? Because if you haven't had the trust conversation, and we've talked about that tons on the podcast, it's chapter three of our book, I and mean, we can we can go on about test-driven development for people uh, if, if listeners would like us to, but if you haven't had that conversation so that you understand what their motivation is and uh, what their language is and their reasoning that has led them to ask you, for instance, to deliver much faster or to, to paddle the boat or whatever it is, you're going to be in a lot of trouble because you can't you can't use their language and you can't describe how what you're proposing will solve their problem. In fact, what you're proposing may not solve their problem. It may actually be that they're right. Um, you know, I had a, a client who um, had a, a a conference. They had a uh, they had bought the balloons. They they booked the ballroom and so on, and, and they had told everyone that the API would be ready. And the engineers are saying, "Oh my God, the API can't possibly be ready for them. I don't know why you did that. That's impossible." But, but they couldn't phone up their major customers and say, we can't do it. The solution they came up with was not to build it on time, nor was it to go away in a corner and figure out how to build it faster. It was to build a simple demo version of it, which they could show on the stage, which turns out to be all they actually needed to do. So by building trust and understanding what the marketing department actually needed to do for the conference, they got to a stage where they could deliver something that actually built a lot of trust. And then they were able to do more of this investment. So we'll come back to how you talk about the investment and where you, where you get with that. But I'd say the very most important first thing to do is, uh, uh, once you've found the right person, is build the trust. And if you're not sure, go talk to them. Have a trust conversation. Make sure that they are actually interested in um, making a greater profit from your salary because they might have a very rational reason not to. Yeah, absolutely. So con- so understand context, have that conversation. All right, now now what? <laughs> I, lo- I love this. This is great. Part one, part two, part three. What's next? So so the, maybe we should have done three episodes. But the, the <laughs> third part for me is then being accountable. Now, longtime listeners will know that every time somebody says, hold somebody accountable, my face turns green and I start vibrating and you know, alarms <laughs> go off on my forehead um, because uh, I don't like the idea of being held accountable because it sounds like blaming someone and you want to hide under the table when, when you're being held accountable. But if you are being accountable, it's coming from you to the other person. If you're rendering an account about your progress, I think that's absolutely valid and vital. And, and the danger I see sometimes when someone has figured out, I, I got a, a real business case here. I've got a profit and loss reason to do this. Uh, I've got other people on board. Maybe I twisted their arms. Maybe I used their language. Somehow I got them to agree. Hallelujah. Now I can disappear for three months and go and read a whole bunch of <laughs> academic papers and hold a lot of meetings and think about it. It's as if those um, folks on the boat kind of sailed the boat, or, you know, paddled the boat to shore, got off, went and had a whole bunch of really nice lunches and, and met for a while and discussed it, uh, but never showed anyone that you know using this sail in a slightly different way would actually make the boat go faster. So the thing I would strongly counsel your team member to do and listeners who are in the same situation is make sure you structure things so it's really clear and there's a simple, easy-to-follow mechanism by which you can say, oh, we may be doing a technical task over here, 
but rather than blind you with science, we're going to show you the first result, or we're going to uh, give you information about how far we are, or we're going to give you the early tests that show that we can make our website this much faster. Whatever it is, you want frequent and clear communication about your progress because you don't want to erode the trust. Yeah, and, I, and I'll say that the thing when I hear you describe this is that the saddest case for me isn't the time that people have maybe lost focus and you know gone on more of an academic exercise where there's they're really not making progress. But the saddest case has been when people have been very effective, but bad at communicating. So they, they're making changes that to are be clear, both of those are sad. <laughs> both, <laughs> not, not, we're not counseling you to do either of those, but the second one is worse than the first. It's, it's worse than the first. And there are times where then the, the management or business team come along and, and have lost patience and are like, okay, you know, you've, you've had your time, you're, we're done. We need to get back to the way we're working and undoes uh, changes that have been, that were being worked through because they just lacked visibility. So it's in other words, it's oh, yeah. not forget enough those to unit tests. They just slow you down so much. <laughs> Nobody can ever get better at, by writing unit tests. Let's just write some old old style code, right? <laughs> but meantime, you you've got just to the stage where writing tests are is actually making you more productive. That's right, and that's and that's been the sad case of when people have done the right thing as far as the, the what they were working on, making real progress and solving the problems. They just have missed the stage of of sharing in a way that, and this is the key part, in a way the business would understand and value. It, it, and even if you say like, oh yep, yeah, we're, we're up to a hundred test points. You know, we we now have five thousand assertions. Where our code coverage Which, is now seventy percent. How 70%. many customers have, have bought code coverage <laughs> from you recently? Zero. Not, not a lot. <laughs> but, so, so finding the things that people will value, uh, that's part of your, in my belief, your responsibility in, in, this, in this exercise is understanding what other people value, making the effort to understand it, and then communicate in ways that they, that they will understand and value. So completely agree that being accountable in, in this way is, is essential. Well, let me tell you just one other, uh, tell listeners one uh, one more client story, because it kind of brings these together, particularly the final point about being accountable. I, I had a biotech client, really innovative, doing amazing stuff to discover new drugs, curing really important diseases that kill lots of people. So really, really important work and, and highly visible, and highly visible to the board of directors who were very interested in making sure these drugs actually came to market. Uh, and... The, one of the people I was coaching was in charge of the lab. Now, I'm no biologist, right? I, I, I did not do well in biology in high school, but um, uh, I got to know a lot about how people test drugs, which involves animals and giving them diseases and then curing them of the diseases and doing all kinds of complicated toxicity checks and all kinds of other things. And they had, I, I kid you not, a 47-page, 79-step flowchart to end all flowcharts <laughs> that showed all of these complicated steps that were between, gee, this drug might be good, which is the innovative part they were discovering, the new drugs, and yes, we should give this to some humans to see if it doesn't kill them and makes them better. <laughs> and um, it, it was impossible to follow this thing. But the person in charge of the lab who understood it intimately had drawn it and lived it and, and uh, breathed it she was uh, constantly referring back to it and saying, well, you'd like to know where we are. Well, we're hard at work on step 47, and for that we're going to need these resources, and you know, we'll see you next quarter when we get to step 72. And the <laughs> rest of the business was just unable to follow any of this so, uh, and, and unable to help, which is, is then where it really paid off because she was doing a lot of 
not necessarily slowification, but of investment and improvement uh, across these steps, but nobody could see it. So we, we simplified this uh, uh, the, uh, and, and, and created a uh, incorrect, but um, uh, mostly correct, directionally correct summary that was like four steps. And so it was very easy to see where each drug was and which ones were ahead and which ones were behind and which ones maybe we should drop and so on. And she would report regularly against that. And uh, we also found all kinds of places where we could help her to um, invest and slowify and do other good things, like maybe we should order more mice for lab number two, or <laughs> maybe the person who's bored in lab number three should switch over to lab number one because their skills are needed, and we could move faster on these three very promising drugs. So uh, uh, what she was able to do with uh, a little bit of help was to define much more clearly what she was doing, be accountable for it, and get help. And I think that's one of the big benefits that your team member could get by talking to the right person, making sure that trust is present and accountability is present, and then that person could actually help you and, and give you more of the resources or the training or the people that could actually help you get the benefit from the solidification you want to do. That's fantastic. And I, I, I can kind of say this this conversation I had with my person was, uh, you know, earlier, but I can it, we've, we've since moved ahead and I could effectively say, We've been putting your, without having heard it, we've largely put uh, your playbook uh, into practice in the past week, and we, we are seeing the kind of uh, results you predict. And I think one of the things I want to focus on about what we do is we have a, a daily meeting where we're talking about progress, and one of the things we're saying is that there should be visible flow coming out of it, because essentially in this idea of being accountable, we can kind of say day by day, this is the progress that's being made. And here you'll know it's working when because you'll see things coming out the end. And can you see the things that have happened over the course of even this week? And we will have regular accountability week by week on on, on the progress. So, I'm so glad to hear there's frequent cadence there, that you're making visible progress. You're on the boat saying, gee, if we pull on that cable, what happens? Oh, it slows down. Great. Our progress is we slowed it down more. All right. We know not to pull on that cable again. Even negative results are very confidence-building and trust-building because they show that you are being accountable for the things that you're trying. I'm really pleased to hear that. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and I've had this conversation with many people over the course of the week where I was emphasizing this point of daily cadence and that, um, you know, because it seems like there's a lot of things that come up every day. Something comes up every day. It's like, wait a minute, this is not right. <laughs> and it's like, good. Yes. That's why we have this way to look at it daily. So we find mistakes daily and can fix them daily. You know, we <laughs> that's, that's the process working. Uh, and they were like, oh, it was like light bulb going on. Right. <laughs> that's, that's why we're, we're, we have this focus and daily accountability is that we, we get a little bit more insight every day and, and other people can come up with ideas and, and volunteer them and add value to what's happening. Whereas if it had been in that sort of off in the corner, it, it could not have been as, as effective because we wouldn't have had the input everyone else and we wouldn't have that had the trust building element as well. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that before having had this conversation, we've, we've put something in place that I think follows the, the guidelines you're describing quite well. Well, fantastic. And uh, maybe the way to summarize that is to say that slowification should happen outside production, but not out of sight. Yes, I love that. <laughs>
Great. Fantastic. Well, if listeners are interested in slowifying or speedifying, or if they disagree with us or they re- read Gene's book differently, uh, we'd sure like to hear from them with their stories, and uh, we'd like to hear from you about uh, what you think about uh, about what we're talking about. Um, the best way to get in touch with us, of course, is agileconversations.com. So uh, have a look, uh, get in touch with us. We really like hearing from you. And of course, the other way to keep in touch with us is to come back next Wednesday when we'll have another edition of Troubleshooting Agile. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Carl.